If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. I guess I should say, hi, Patrice. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Marlea. Because because we have to let everyone know that everyone on this call that did not have an air fryer the last time we talked has gotten one since then. (laughs) And I've got the pictures to prove it. Uh, I cooked two things. I cooked sweet potato. I cut up sweet potatoes and tossed them in oil and like uh, olive oil and did them and then i did just some uh frozen chicken and it was so good it was so So quick (laughs) the frozen chicken works is it when it's frozen yep okay i was gonna i was gonna say i had i had chicken nuggets like vegan chicken nuggets that i used in courtney's air fryer and they fried up real nice they were crispier than they normally are so maybe like a year or so like after like the big hoopla (laughs) about it because always i'm always the anti-hoopla person i'm always (laughs) the like something new comes out and i'm usually like bullshit i don't believe it i'm gonna give it a year i don't need your fucking instapot (laughs) exactly and so my mom sent me one i'm like i don't need i don't need this i don't need this i don't need this i don't need this that's basically (laughs) that was my mantra i don't need this i don't need this so i tried it and i'm fucking sold i love it I use it every day. I think we should be getting some sort of monetary compensation for this. Yes. <laughs> I really do. Box fans, I, chicken fryers, Marlena air fryers. I, um, I was a little tipsy when I ordered mine because we were on air. <laughs> you and, ordered uh, like four things while we were on air. You're like, I'm going to buy everything we talked about. And I was like, huh, what's in this big box? <laughs> <laughs> this is my air fryer. I totally forgot I had ordered it. <laughs> Drunk Amazon shopping is the pastime of America right now. Oh, that is the truth. I do. I get boxes. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like these huge boxes. And I'll be like, oh, oh yeah. I kind of remember that. So I got this little one. Her name is Camille Cayenne Peppers. She has gotten a lot of things that I've ordered online in the last week. Very cute she's teensy weensy i i call my cat the kitten because she's we've only had her for a year and a half Mm. and i still call her our kitten because we have an older cat and as soon as i started visiting with your little kitten and i would go home and i'd be like this cat is huge she's huge your cat doesn't even weigh things She's like a pound. Oh, she does. She was a pound and a half. And some people may know, but she literally ran into my life. I was not going to get an animal. There was a stray cat, a mama cat on my porch hissing. Next thing I know, there is a kitten under my couch. And then what was I going to do? Can't turn her away. Now she lives here. She's adorable. <laughs> oh, I feel like a lot has happened. We were talking about going weekly last time we talked, but mm-hmm. our all the best laid plans. But we're going to try it yeah. starting this week right like well, we're gonna yeah. try and start i've got another story that i'm almost done with oh wow God, fuck I you know. man i know <laughs> i know fuck me i don't know it's totally out of character well i was working cool. on a different story that kind of fell into my lap with the last story that i did on the mosquitoes and then i had a couple of things that i'll talk about when i get into it and i'm like well i'm gonna put that one on the burner i've already got it like researched i just got to write it up and started working on this one and i was just like huzzah which i'm saying huzzah a lot lately (laughs) (laughs) huzzah because i've been watching the great on hulu which is about captain the great (laughs) huzzah and i thought you'd just been (laughs) mentally going to ren fairs hey i started that too i've only watched part of the first episode but i was planning to go back to it when things 
when it's I <laughs> very entertaining it is yeah. absolutely not historically accurate obviously oh um, i mean it is i mean they hit like it's kind of like our podcast they hit the main points but they kind of like fuzz in between i mean because obviously it's in russia but everybody speaks in a british aristocrat yes kind of yeah. why, like, is, why is i think like british is just our substitute for foreign it's weird how that is always <laughs> but that's i mean but yeah it's very posh and so that's Ooh. how they talk but it's just i don't know it's just a lot of fun and i've enjoyed it and i'm almost through the whole thing but they always say huzzah so i've been going around going huzzah, <laughs> huzzah. <laughs> how many episodes are there like 10 oh okay yeah, it was entertaining. Lots of lots of f bombs. Mm. <laughs> like, well, yeah, lots of f bombs. Peter likes to say f. And it's really funny though, because I always like have the closed captions on when I'm watching. Yeah, and there's a lot of f bombs. There's a lot of pussy. There's a lot of like all of <laughs> like it, it's it's gratuitous, but they don't show anything. So it's like yeah. they, they allude to it, but it's not raunchy. So oh, it's like, is it like harlots? Well, like harlots, yeah. except that it was like they they said it in all these words that you had to have closed captioning in order to understand. Right, but that's right. We talked about that on here. But when you watch it, when they say things like "pussy" or "cunt" or anything gratuitous that's demeaning to the female, in the captions they have "boss." So what? instead of and so whoever did the captions to it, so anytime they would say bitch or anything again that's alluding to kind of um a derogatory term to females, they have boss in the captions. I was like, oh, I kind of love this captions person. <laughs> oh my god. I know did, the hearing impaired people aren't getting to hold the true story. <laughs> like that's did, not fair. <laughs> did I ever tell you about the I didn't realize that they had this but i'm sure maybe everybody else knows but like it, it was probably 10 years ago we were visiting randy's grandparents in missouri and they had bought a little set top box that they connected to their tv and the audio went through the set top box and if there was a curse on the show it would change it Shut up. So that they didn't have to hear bad words. Shut up. And I was like, there is no way this is real. I was like, this is this is imaginary. But no, they, I watched it work. It was just. I totally believe it. Oh, it cracked me up. Oh there my go. gosh, that that's priceless. What other updates do we have before we get started? Oh, so we had the drink survey. And oh yeah, that was fun. I'm going. Oh, I forgot about it. Yeah, I'm gonna post the results. I ordered some things that we're gonna have a giveaway soon. So we're gonna have a giveaway. We're also gonna have maybe a drawing to be live on air with us, which we got to talk yeah. about that. So a lot of cool things coming up that we're going to do. Uh, Marleya and I tested out this app called Cast. It's mm -hmm. K-A-S-T for watching movies together. And that was pretty cool. So we may be doing some things with that as well coming up soon. And with us getting back regularly on a weekly basis, hopefully I will be more consistent about doing those things. We all, we <laughs> all. I, I seem to remember you asking me to do something five days ago that I finally got to 10 minutes before we got on this call. <laughs> So, but it'll be cool. So hopefully this will be summer, the summer of fun, right? It's yes. the summer of fun. Bar and fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Y'all, Marleya has her hair pulled back in a ponytail. It is the <laughs> cutest thing. I love your ponytail. Oh, I didn't notice. I love her ponytail. Randy said he popped into the room just a couple minutes ago and said something about it. He's like, is that your podcast tail? No, it's because I like the sweep of hair across my face when it's not all the time or all the way down to my chest. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? <laughs> so I finally just am giving up and I'm actually going to the salon tomorrow to get it done something with, which is sort of terrifying because I haven't done hardly anything. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I know the salon owner and I know the extent to which 
she is taking precautions because she's not letting anybody in if they don't have a mask on. She is thoroughly sanitizing with medical grade sanitizer in between every person. She's closed her waiting room. She's done everything you could possibly do. So I'm feeling okay enough to go. Just don't Um, let them breathe on you. I know. And I mean, with two people with masks, it'll, you know, and my hair, even though she's, even though she's got to do a little more with it this time, cause it's so fucking long, it doesn't take a whole long time to do. So the, the length of exposure is not that long, but yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting. It's funny though. I mean, they're taking more precautions than my goddamn OBGYN is mm-hmm. like, I was supposed to have an OB appointment on Thursday. And I texted today to see, oh, are you requiring masks? What are your procedures for waiting? All this stuff. And she just texted back. She's like, no, I mean, we're wearing masks, but we're not requiring people to wear masks. And you can come sit in the waiting room, but you should sit like we're trying to get people to sit further apart. I'm like, what? Trying no, you're is a not a medical person. Yeah. And when we know how was, trying is working out here in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wrote back and said, okay, if you're not requiring masks of everyone, because she said the staff was wearing them. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's great, but that's not enough. Right. And I wrote back and said, if everybody isn't wearing masks in your office, I'm not going to come. So I'm going to cancel. I'm mm-hmm. uncomfortable with that. And she wrote back and she said, well, you're welcome to wear one. And I'm like, well, that's great for you. Right. But it's not great for me. Right. <laughs> I, like, I don't understand how they don't get that. You. But anyway, <sighs> yeah. I know, I know. I'm like, if we go down the mask trail. Let's surrender yeah. now. Surrender now. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting my hair cut. That's the important part. Woo! I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow. Hopefully it won't kill me. Okay, let's see. Anything else? I do want to mention, and I'm probably going to I'm gonna edit these and post these, but y'all, I have like cleared out three fucking chipmunks from my house in two days. Oh my God. And I recorded it. So oh, it, good. I just had oh. like, like uh, what is this, David Attenborough narrating in the background with me like stalking the chipmunk and driving him <laughs> out and then capturing him with the net. That would be fantastic. So I think we can edit that in. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, there was, it was one part. I didn't know there was something in my cabinet and I didn't know what it was. I knew it was something. I mean, I knew there was the thing that the cat had brought in, but I'm always in the back of my mind. I'm always a little bit terrified that it's going to be a snake. And, and so I got the cat and the dog away from it because they are absolutely no help. And I'm starting to like unload all the pots and pans from underneath my pantry and accidentally one of the pans fell and I fucking like <gasps> jumped and screamed. <laughs> and I got it on tape. I sat there and laughed at myself <laughs> so hard for that. Awesome. And then it ended up being a chipmunk. And I was like, thank God it's a chipmunk. I was very thankful. The next day I was fucking walking down my hall and I looked down and there was just a chipmunk in the middle of my hall hanging out. And there was like no animals around or anything. He was just standing there. I'm like, man, what's you doing? (laughs) It's like, you lost. (laughs) So the chipmunk thing, uh, look for a post on the website pretty soon. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, drink. I don't know what y'all are drinking, but I'm drinking a Cosmo Uh, with my cute little, what do you call these things? Stabber thingies. Oh, I don't know. Like decorative toothpick. Skewer, skull skewer. Is that made of pewter? If it's made of pewter, you could give yourself lead poisoning just because. I might be getting lead poisoning, but it'll be fashionable. I wouldn't think they would sell that, but I will definitely double check. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's fucking heavy as shit, though. So I will post a picture of this along with my air fryer if this in the background. I'm drinking a very limey Moscow mule. Sounds good. And I'm drinking, what did we decide that this was? A fuzzy toe? The hobbit foot. <laughs> and you'll need me again. I'm sorry. I've been really flagging on the job lately. <laughs> so this is just basically OJ and rum is what I'm drinking. No, I want to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> rum and orange juice. <laughs> I think Patrice started at Fuzzy Navel and then moved on from there. Yeah. (laughs) That's the drink of the day, the fuzzy toe. Absolutely. So (laughs) two weeks ago, right after we posted the mosquito 
episode, Jeff from Parental Movie Advisory Podcast, like, Yay, Jeff Hall. contacted us and he's like, hey, have you seen this documentary called House in Between? And, yeah. and I was like, no, but we'll put it on our list. And so again, I completely forgot about it and was doing my other subject matter that we're going to do at the end of this week uh, for the next podcast. And I was happily working along. And then my sister-in-law texted me and she's like, hey, you need to check out this documentary. It's about a house in Mississippi. And she didn't tell me the name of it. She's like, it's on Netflix, but you need to watch it. She's like, the house that they're doing this documentary on looks just like the house that I grew up in in Mississippi, only it wasn't red. So no way. today I'm going to be doing the little red house where ghosts lived, otherwise Ooh. known as the Mississippi house. Cool. And I uh, went and watched the documentary and I'll talk about that after I go through and tell the tale here. The owner of the house is named Alice Jackson and she found this plot of land in Florence, Mississippi. And Florence is just southeast of Jackson, Mississippi, Jackson being the capital. And she found this really pretty plot of land. And she's like, this would be a great place for a house. So they started to build her new home here. Let's talk about Florence, first of all. Florence is like maybe like 4,100 people. I mean, it's not big at all. And I was trying to look to see like what happened in Florence. Does anybody come from Florence of note? And really the only thing that caught my eye was The Weeks, which is an indies rock band from like 2010, 11. They're from Florence, uh, Mississippi. But other than that, it's just a little blip somewhere in Mississippi. And I was also thinking, have I ever traveled through Florence, Mississippi? Because it's one of those towns, unless you mean to go there, you don't really travel through it. I was having a hard time placing where it was. So it was right outside of Jackson. And Alice Jackson decided to build her home there. And that's when strange things started happening during the construction phase. She built the house in 1990. So it is relatively Ooh. a newer home. But with the construction, doors would slam before, like, even the entire house was finished. The doorbell would ring. Building materials would disappear, and then they would come back. Just really weird stuff that was happening. It was unusual, but it wasn't enough to say, hey, my house is haunted kind of thing. It was just kind mm -hmm. of just weird stuff. So she didn't say anything about it to anyone. She lived there for a while and had all these things happening. And, you know, when people come over, they would happen. But she, she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to bring notice to it. And some of the things that would happen would be footsteps, the sound of running water, moving furniture, somebody whistling, mm -hmm. music playing. The next door neighbor, the little girl that lived next door, would come over to visit her. And on one occasion, the chandelier, like, in went sideways. So instead of Whoa. swinging, it actually moved and rotated 90 degrees. And then it dropped. And then it started swinging really violently. And... They In this documentary, they interviewed the girl who is a young woman now, and she was like, there's always been something about that house that's made her really uneasy. And she always had this feeling that something was there when she would go visit her neighbor. And she, she was like, even like just crossing the property line, it, it was just such a different feeling between their house and what was happening next door. So through all this, Alice stayed there. She mentioned it to very few people. She really didn't like talk about it. She went, you know, people think she was crazy, you know, how, how people will talk. But of course, when she would have people over and things would happen, it was just like something that happened. It wasn't anything big, but it was, it wasn't enough to make her leave the house, but she was still, she still recognized that it was unusual and recognized that there there was something going on with the house. So she lived there up until 2011, and there was something that happened. She said she opened up her eyes while she was sleeping, and there was this large tunnel of light 
that went from the ceiling to her floor, kind of like this doorway of light in this Ooh. otherwise like really pitch black room. And then she said later on that night, she saw like three buttons of red light that lasted about 10 seconds. And then they blinked out and she just felt this presence in the room, like this conscious presence in the room. And after that night, she was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> so she, after that night, she did not stay the night in that house, but she did keep the house. And she started to slowly talk to more people about this. And she actually reached out to this guy, Darren Dado of WAPT, which I guess is the local news station there, and was mm -hmm. telling him like all these things that happened to her in this house. And the final thing that kind of broke the camel's back, getting her to move out of the house. And so he contacted the Mississippi Paranormal so uh, Society. One of the local paranormal investigators, John Bullard, who was with a Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal Investigation, heard about it this way and came in to investigate. And so, of course, you know, ghost hunting being all the thing and having all the ghost hunting shows on TV during this time, he had numerous equipment, EVPs to record stuff and video cameras, so motion detectors, or they've got these little boxes that... I don't know. When I was watching the documentary, oh, the this is box. Yeah, yeah, this is how much I know about. It's like they have these little things that beep and boop and do things supposedly <laughs> when energy is present. He brought all that in there and definitely determined pretty early on that she was not living by herself when she was there. They started inviting more people in. This man named Brad Cooney, who actually is in charge of their website now. He was a local author and he heard about this and it piqued his curiosity. So he came in and experienced a, a lot of things happening that were very unusual in this house. He became obsessed with it, pretty much like everybody who has visited this house. So really, Alice decided just to keep the house recognized that there was something unique going on and opened it up for investigation because at the heart of it, she, she's really curious. She wants to understand what is going on. Mm -hmm. And when I was watching the documentary, I, I started watching it kind of with a little bit of an eye roll as I do mm -hmm. with most paranormal <laughs> things, because mm -hmm. they always try to really fluff it up to make it seem like more than what it is. And, and that wasn't really the case with it. I didn't get that feeling out of this documentary. For the past 10 years, Alice has kept her home open to be studied. And they have brought people into the house like Lindsay Paul, who is a Seattle's best psychic. So they brought psychics in. They've brought in Chip Coffee, who is like a renowned psychic medium. Oh, I know him. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know that name. They've brought in astrologer and medium, Rachel Lang. And then eventually they brought in Steve Gonzalez from Ghost Hunters. So they brought in the guys that have the shows to witness and document the house. They've been filming for this documentary for the past three years, but it's not all of the evidence they have. They've got 10 years worth of evidence. And it's kind of, you know, ironic that Alice didn't want to tell anybody at first, but now it's like, it's really become like this huge international thing, especially with the documentary. And the documentary dropped this month. So that's why I was getting these texts from everyone saying, hey, you need to watch this because it came out May 5th. So some of the things that have been recorded, and I really, I don't want to spoil the documentary and, and tell you everything that's in the documentary, simply because I think it's a worthy watch. What's it called again? House in Between. The House in Between. The House in Between. House in Between. Not the Red House. The House in Between. Okay. Right. So they've got several. So the EVPs, I guess, is the, I don't know what that stands for. Yay, research. Uh, electronic uh, voice phenomena. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> electronic voice phenomena. So, I watched a lot of ghost hunters in my day. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the uh, EVPs. There's lines from movies in it. So there's a Here's Johnny. And there's somebody's heard Let's Ride. There were uh, several light anomalies that they've had in several of the rooms. 
they've had these meters respond like all their beepity boopity meter things have all gone off (laughs) and they've gotten also intelligent responses to white noise devices so a lot of in the documentary a lot of times they would ask questions and they would get responses back which is kind of freaky she's had interviews with all of these different people. And when people would come in, she's had Walt Grayson, who I think is a local news weatherman person there, who's come in and done news stories on the house. So him and John Bullard, and then their next door neighbors, Aaron and Justin Brown, all have seen a male ghost. And hmm. people have seen multiple instances of this ghost. And again, if you go to the website, there's just a list of all the things over the past 10 years that has been recorded and that you can hear. Another EVP recording from John Bullard was saying, you could try, don't be jealous. They have come down there. I can't breathe. Let's let's see. He asked, John actually asked the house, what color is your hair? Or not the house, whatever's in the house. (laughs) What color is your hair? And they got an EVP response, blonde. And also heard is you figure it out. And just all of these different things through the recordings. They've also heard unrecognizable voices and footsteps from the upstairs bedroom, which was the upstairs bedroom, which is where Alice saw the, you know, floor-to-ceiling light and the little lights. Let's see. Moving furniture. I've already talked about that. Dishes clattering. Patchwork bear moving. Candles moving. (laughs) Candle wax balls moving. I don't know what that means. The bed has moved. (laughs) We've already talked about, like, the chandelier moving multiple times. The stove turning off and on there was one thing that alice said that Mm. had happened that kind of freaked her out when she before she moved out she closed the door and she's like doors were all the time just opening i was thinking okay well i know when my air condition turns on or if i have my windows open the doors will Mm -hmm. open kind of thing and she was like no i dead bolted the door and the door that i just dead bolted opened and she went back and checked on it, and the doors opened, but the deadbolt lock was still out. Oh, weird. All of these really crazy things. Shadow figures, multiple people have seen, along with the ghosts. Let's see. Lights, strobes, and a lot of this stuff. One of the things that I really like about this documentary, there's a lot of stuff actually recorded in the documentary but they don't make a huge deal out of it. When you watch ghost hunters and stuff, you can tell that they're really Mm. reaching and they're trying to make like a bigger Mm -hmm. deal out of it than it really is. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that happen in the documentary that they don't make a big deal out of, but you're kind of going like, what the fuck? Like, Mm -hmm. why did that just happen? Another thing about the documentary is there are some things that happen and they're like, why is this? How could this in a physical scientific world how could this happen? And they go in and they talk about, first of all, about like things moving. You have to have a force that's applied to a thing in order for it to move. And they're like, well, can static electricity, like, is there something going on with electricity that's making this happen? She's had people come out to check her electricity and make sure that it's acting right. She's had people come out to check the level of her house to make sure that it's leveled. So when things Hmm. roll, it's not because the house is lopsided or anything. Some of the documentary is talking to scientists about what can make this happen. And one of the things that they end up talking about towards the end when they're talking to, I guess, a physicist. I don't don't know all them science people's official names or anything (laughs) like that. But they're talking about dimensions, like multiple dimensions, because I guess in theory, it's already kind of a known fact, I guess. And I hate to say the word fact because, again, poor research. But mm-hmm. that we there are more than like the three or four dimensions or whatever that we do. We are living in multiple dimensions. And so that was kind of brought up during this documentary. And so hmm. if you go to the website, it's really interesting. What I've learned in the documentary and then going to the website, the websites, they go a little bit looser lipped on the website about what they think it is. And so on the website, they believe that the house may be a portal 
for lower level spirits and that there are two permanent residents that are higher spirits that are living there. One of them is named Lily, which is a female, and the other one they call Eric, which is the male presence that everybody has seen. And they also feel like that spot specifically is a vortex for these different power, these energies and stuff. So in the documentary, without trying to spoil it, they do have a medium come in. And this is really, this is why it's called a house in between. The medium says that there was another house there. And so they kind of alluded to the possibilities that they are receiving disturbances from that other house or that other dimension there in that house. And that's where they left it. But you can go onto the website. It's like, oh, shit, I forgot to put the website on here. I think it's MississippiHouse.net, I think is the name of the website. And you can, like, look at all the different people who have visited, all the videos that they have captured. You can watch The House in Between, which is, like, a really well done, to me, uh, documentary for haunted houses that I've seen. Because, again, I went in totally skeptical. What is this bullshit? Mm. The last five seconds really had me go, like, huh. So it, it's pretty well done. I totally approve of the graphic design as a graphic designer. I think <laughs> but she's still keeping it open. She still doesn't have, like, her answers yet. And I, like she, I don't know if she'll ever get her answers, but she's constantly looking for answers. She's keeping it open to anybody that wants to visit there, that wants to explore. Having an extra house open, I'm sure, is a little bit draining on the finances. So she is. Mm-hmm. she does do tours. So if you want to go for a two-hour tour, evening tour there, it's like $25. So it's not going to break the bank. And you can spend the night there for $75. Uh, uh, nope. Oh, really? Yeah. So it is, it, I don't know if they're opening it now since the pandemic, but it is kind of an ongoing thing that's continuing to be documented. And it's just, again, it's really interesting. It opens a lot of questions. I I don't like a lot of the ghost hunting things. I always feel like there's somebody off on the side that's like moving the string or doing something <laughs> to make something rattle. There are some things that happen that really I went, huh, I, 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 I believe that, you know, kind of thing that I believe something happened. Now, whether it's a ghost, what's going on again, I don't know. She don't know. I don't know. But, you know, they have their theories. It was very entertaining. And it's in Florence, Mississippi. It's funny because when you said there was like a male spirit and a female spirit and there was another house like in another dimension in the same spot, all I could think of was Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. And it's like Gina Davis and her house. Wait, was it Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis? Yeah. I feel like it was there's a like a legit couple of people who are Mm -hmm. actually living a normal life in a house and there's all these weird like ghost hunters wandering around in their dreams right you know (laughs) i thought of the others because we have just watched the living and the dead but the dead the dead are just the living their afterlife in the same space space (laughs) really belongs in this house yeah yeah so that was yeah it was i want to watch it for sure definitely watch it and again i'm not telling like i'm not laying it out there yet because i do want you to go you can rent it i think it's like four dollar rental yeah it is so i would like i would totally check it out for believers and non-believers definitely just to make something to make you go hmm but that is my story that make you go hmm (laughs) mississippi house (laughs) All right. Story time. So I found this week's story when I was researching for the Myrtles one last time. Because, you know, I said like everybody and their mother has done the Myrtles because it's the most famous whatever Southern haunted house. And I found the name of this person, I guess, through his investigation of the Myrtles with his group. And um, then just kind of it sent me to this other article that just... I knew I I couldn't pass up. So here's the beginning of the story. Starts in 2013. 
a man named Kevin Kane, who lives in Birmingham, or actually, I think at the time, Inverness, anyways, right around Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. He's given a doll by a friend of his. (laughs) 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 And uh, it's not not as bad as you think. I'm going to go turn the lights on real quick. Not exactly the same way, anyway. Uh, (laughs) the, The doll's name is Patty. And it's like this wee little porcelain (laughs) doll. And it's like, it's in a crawling stance. (gasps) It's got a little pink dress and it's blonde. It's got little blonde porcelain curls and blue eyes and plump little doll lips. And it comes with a story that the original owner was a little seven-year-old girl named Patty from Michigan in the 1980s. And uh, now I I know this quote because Kevin wrote a book that I'll I'll leave you the link for later. But in the way he tells the story, he says her mom practiced the age old profession of prostitution. Oh, so Patty, the seven year old in Michigan, was left home at light at night alone a lot. She didn't have a very present parental figure, and so a neighbor gave her this doll because the neighbor thought she'd had no toys. She didn't have friends. She needed something to keep her company. So they gave her this (laughs) breakable porcelain doll. And then one night, Patty is at home alone. She finds a bag, a Ziploc bag under the sink and thinks that they're candy and she's by herself. So she eats all of the the little things and the colorful things in the Ziploc bag, which, of course, what are the colorful things in the Ziploc bag? Yes. Mom's drugs. Which, you know, part of me thinks like, man, seven year olds who grow up in that situation, they're wise to that shit. I don't I don't know if I really buy this. But but this, you know, in this story, this little girl, Patty, ODs, of course, and dies. And so this doll that was hers gets kind of passed around from person to person and strange things happen where it goes. So Kevin's friends had gotten this doll from a clairvoyant who I guess is the person that told them this story about Patty, the seven-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. And the friend knew that Kevin's into the paranormal. And so they, she gives Kevin this doll. I was wondering why Kevin was having this doll. Cause usually the crawling dolls is not necessarily the dolls that, you know, people that, I don't know. Not that I know. I don't know. Is there there a bias with crawling dolls? I don't know. It just seems like, you know, if you have like a crawling doll, it's not necessarily like the haunted doll kind of situation. But Well, apparently this wrong. one is attached to the spirit of this seven-year-old child named Patty. And so its reputation kind of goes along with it everywhere it goes. It's clairvoyant, says it is. And so Kevin eventually gets this doll from his friend, brings it home. It, now, I will say, you know, like I said, I, I found out about him because he was a paranormal investigator of another, you know, with a group in Birmingham. Right. Actually, other other people in the group helped to write the story about the Rockford house oh, that we cool. talked about. Way yeah. Back. But so he brought her home. He put her on his dresser in his bedroom like a crazy person. Why? And and then. And because I'm just like, no, no, you no. put her in her own room. She gets her own room with but, cabinet and, and with she, liquor. And then he, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Do you like with Claudia? Claudia's fine. Claudia's fine. But then he, he starts to talk to her. He starts to try and get her spirit comfortable in his house and comfortable with him. And so he takes a lot of these EVPs, like you were talking about Mm -hmm. in your story, this Mm -hmm. electronic or uh, voice phenomenon. You will never fucking, I will never do that. I'm just going to put that out right now. Oh, never fucking do that. You know, it's funny because I'm sitting here about to say, like, I, I generally don't. I, I don't truck with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've said it multiple times through the spirit boxes, the EVPs. I generally don't truck with that stuff. Right. That said, it did freak the shit out of me when that stupid doll made that noise on your recording. So I'm, yes. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm a complete disbeliever in all things. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes EVPs with this doll, which I, from what I gather is basically just people doing recordings recordings of them on whatever device and then listening back to them well that's like, what rebecca yes. kelly did uh, yes remember her talking in our listener lore about doing that mm-hmm. evp asking the woman in the house and 
Like, I think we even have a recording of that that we put on the we website. We did. Mm-hmm. You did. It, it is. It's a. It's just an audio recording. And mm-hmm. then you, like, make it as loud as you can and listen for Yeah, like you put in your headphones and you really, really listen. Shut up, Courtney. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> So he, <laughs> so he he starts to take regular EVPs. He talks to her and stuff, of course, as is you might expect, as I'm telling the story, mm-hmm. begins to happen in his house. So he starts to hear little footsteps in empty <gasps> rooms. No, he starts to have visions of a little blonde girl running around the corners. He starts to hear a child's voice talking and singing and giggling. Like one day he's watching I Love Lucy on the TV and he hears a child laughing you know, he start he'll he'll be in his kitchen making a sandwich and he'll feel a tug on his shirt. Mm. Uh at about kid level, though I guess it depends on the height of the kid. So he's taking these regular EVPs and one night he's taking one and he's talking to her and videoing her and he says, Okay, it's time to go. It's time to go Betty bye. And you play it back. He he has this and I'll leave a video link on the website oh. and you play it back and you hear, now this is what's weird though. You hear her say, or you hear the word righteous. Like he's like, it's time to go Betty by and you hear righteous. Yeah. It's like really righteous. Like mm. she's like time to go Betty by bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, what year did she grow up? What year was she alive? It said it, it, said it was the eighties, so righteous <laughs> wouldn't be too far off, right? Eighties man, seventies. Right? Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> so. So, you know, if it, Kevin is like, is entranced by all of this. Unlike me, unlike I would be, Kevin thinks that this is spectacular. And so he hears this on the recording and he scoops her up and he kisses her and he says, thank you. Kevin is a believer that not all spirits are evil, which is, I guess, something that people say before they're smothered in their sleep by tiny porcelain hands. But he's he he's like a devout Southern Baptist and he he feels like spirits are kind of in a safe zone. He said in one interview, it's it's almost he kind of is describing limbo like before you before right. you go. He says before Christ takes you home, there's like a safe zone you go into. But, you know, even though he doesn't think they're evil, he does say prayers over his house every night. So he thinks that they're tugging and giggling that Patty is doing is just her getting comfortable, asking for attention, showing love, playing games like a kid would do. And he thinks this is spectacular. So he calls Patty his first spirit daughter, his first, because he goes on after this to collect 70 more just that year. And I'm pretty sure he didn't buy her until September. And as of today, he has more than 200 haunted dolls and items living in his house with him. (laughs) He has the largest haunted doll collection in Alabama. Oh my God. The the book that I told you he wrote, I think he has several actually, but the one that I bought and read was called My Haunted Collection. He's been, you know, newspapers have interviewed him. He does, he has a podcast of his own where he tells spooky stories. Mm -hmm. He actually told some that I didn't think other people would know, like the Heinz Road Witch, because he's local to this area. So he heard people tell it. Gadsden, but and his voice is very you might check it out i'll see if i can find the podcast link and s- send it to you because he's kind of fun to listen to i like the lilt he's got a really cool accent but so in this book he talks about the haunted collection the reason that he started looking back to get other dolls is because he thought that patty got lonely when he went away to work during the day because you know he's mm. treating it as a child and so he's like okay well okay. i need to get her some siblings god and where do you go? You go to the internet if you want haunted mm. doll siblings. Haunted dolls. Google but search. Amazon. I know, right? Well, he said, be careful because some people will send you junk and some will send you demons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Always check the ratings. Always check the ratings. <laughs> oh, my God. But, so, actually, the tagline. <laughs> Some will sell you junk. Some will sell you demons. Um, So back to Kevin in just a second. We're going to take a pause and talk like this is haunted doll buying trivia in case you've ever wondered how all this stuff goes down. 
And in the 90s, especially, eBay was the place to be if you wanted to buy haunted items, Mm -hmm. especially haunted dolls. But in 2000, eBay updated its policies to specifically prohibit the auctioning of souls. (laughs) Oh, my God. What? So the current policy now states intangible items or anything a buyer can't confirm they received are not allowed. For example... And they have these three specific examples written in their policy. I checked it today. For example, a ghost in a jar. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Spells or haunted items. Or Jesus inside a piece of burnt toast. (laughs) You can't spell that either. Remember that one? Yes, I do. I remember Jesus and burnt toast. so, you know, but, you know, if you look, you can actually find a whole lot of haunted doll sellers on eBay still, but they all have to say they're for entertainment purposes only. None of them can actually all the way through claim that they're legit. They have to say, right. oh, we're just joshing you. Right. But, um, but they're so, selling a doll, but like somebody could just sell, sell you like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's an empty jar. I guess exactly. they're selling you a jar too. <laughs> I'm seriously thinking at some point, doesn't that probably mean that someone bought an empty jar on eBay? Oh, <laughs> like multiple people <laughs> bought an empty jar on eBay and there were multiple complaints when that spirit in a jar didn't do whatever. Spirit in a jars are su- what is the spirit in a jar supposed to do? Ghost in a jar. That sounds like a really good band, though. I think well, it Ghost sounds like Spirit in the Sky song going up to. Well, I was thinking more of like Chicken on a Stick, Spirit in a Jar. <laughs> Man, we really missed the opportunity to to. Um, <sighs> I could just see like like spirits and test tubes. I don't know. Just I don't know. Little teeny ones. Tiny little spirits. Oh country shock butter tubs. (laughs) God. That's so appropriate. Those like, oh no, those royal dance cookie tins that you get at Christmas. Yeah. My sister-in-law posted one of those because she's like, when you think you're getting cookies and you're really getting sewing mus- <laughs> sewing supplies. So uh, this got me kind of down a little bit of a rabbit trail of, you know, eBay says you can't sell these things because you can't confirm the efficacy of your listing. Right. And I was like, well, how would you even do that? Like, how do people who well, how, say, yeah, this and, is haunted. And how does he test? Yeah. How does mm-hmm. he test whether it's junk or a demon or legit? I mean, what is well, his test? He he seem he seems pretty confident. Well, it, it, the book and the stuff that I read from him didn't excuse me didn't say anything about having experiences with ones that didn't turn out. It did say in one article there was like a really passing quick sentence that I found no other reference to anywhere that said that he did at one point get sent a spirit in a doll that was. Um, supposed to be sweet and kind and ended up being demonic. And so he had to like seal it in a box with holy water and like keep it in his closet or something. Oh my God. But so I guess that's false advertising. Could but, you like uh, imagine like being a burglar and like <laughs> going into his house and then all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck did I just do? Back away slowly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they. I I got I got kind of distracted by this, like how people say how people show the hauntedness of things. And I found a Vox article that that talked to one seller of haunted dolls who claimed that they do a three month investigation every time they receive an item that is claimed to be haunted before they sell it as haunted. They said first they separate it from any other paranormal objects in the house. And <laughs> That's, that's easy enough, right? And yeah. then they, they examine it with an EMF meter, which I guess is the beepy boopy thing. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking boopy. about, right? Yeah. Um, for three to five days. Then they put it in a sound box, like a soundproof box or a phone box, and they put a voice acti- activated recorder inside a soundproof box to see if they record any words or phrases. And then, okay, this is the one that really, I was surprised by this one. 
Finally, it says in this Vox article, they conduct lucid dreaming sessions, which involve sleeping next to the doll alongside a piece of amethyst, which is supposed to be a potent lucid dreaming crystal to see if they have any weird dreams. Hmm. And then they 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 end up with a 15 page report that shows the (laughs) the haunted ranking of this this doll. That sounds like academia there. I know, like some people go, wow, and some people are probably like, weird shit happened I'm in the corner. I'm thinking of the Warrens, you know, like Annabelle, okay. like their whole haunted room that they have with all their haunted objects. Which, I think you know, about that I too, because they're, Lane Warren. well, because that's it. <laughs> of haunted objects in their house. But so anyway, that's how they, but I guess the whole haunted trade is all about trust really in the long run. Of course. But so back to Kevin's haunted collection. Uh, like I said, he like 70 in a year, 200, seven years later, he, they, most of them are, are dolls. He's got some things that aren't dolls, but there's a story for everything that comes into his hands. So and and I will say not everything was bought, but it sounds like he did buy a huge chunk of these, like just just straight out purchased them. But it, there were several times where people had heard about him and were like, I have this problematic item on my hands. No one will take it. And, you know, I think we talked about this when we talked about doll stories before about Robert the Tall and other things like you don't want to burn it because you don't want it to hate you. Right. So what do you, how do you dispose of it? Right. You know? So people would take mail it, it to Goodwill. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so bad. <laughs> Don't even say that. You know what we did to those Goodwill dolls we bought? Oh, yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> so he, he, has, he has stories for all of these. One of like there was one named Robin that the, the spirit attached to it was a child that died from heat stroke after being locked in a car by a babysitter that stopped at the bar to drink. Mm. There was a doll named Carla who was a seven-year-old from New York. She moves around the house on her own. She makes music play where there are no radio or TVs in the house, has been known to wave at visitors. There were two dolls that came to him together. He had, he had bought one that he really liked and the seller had said, I'm going to send you a little bonus. And so when he opened the box, there are two little wrapped up other packages inside the box and he opens them up and there are these two porcelain dolls whose faces have been completely disfigured by someone. So someone took like blood red and dripped it down one of them's eyes and took X's on the other one. And the story that goes with their names are Anne and Alice. And and I'm like, why did she send you these as bonuses when she knows that you like kind spirits? And I'm thinking like, just because she wanted to offload them. But these two, the story that comes with them is they were bought by a witch in England in order to hex some people. And so she's the one who painted the dolls. It was almost like a voodoo sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the dolls refused to participate in putting a bad spell on these people. And then the witch was found dead on the floor in the middle of a pentagram in her house. So like the implication is the dolls may have had something to do with it, but they were doing it for a good cause. Mm -hmm. Ethical quandaries. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then there's Tammy who was the spirit was drowned by a pair of evil stepsisters. So she turns the faucets in the bathroom on and off all the time since the day she arrived Mm. And this was, I think this is one of my favorite stories though, of the dolls. So there was a doll named Elena that he talks about in his book and he got it from a woman who had found it. It's a life-size child doll. Oh God. And he had like found Roberts. it. <laughs> he had found, she had found it in the attic in the house that she moved into in New Jersey. So like imagine walking up the stairs with your arms full of boxes to put things away in your brand new attic and finding a fucking two foot tall porcelain doll no. just staring at you. No. I was like, I would throw the boxes and ask for a refund on my house, but she didn't do that. She ignored it. She settled in. Everything is fine. And then she goes to bed one night and starts hearing thumping sounds in the attic. So she goes up to investigate and, all she sees is a fucking two foot tall porcelain doll oh, night God. after night. 
And so it it starts to escalate and she starts to hear not just thumping, but very clear footsteps running. And then she starts to hear things crashing on the floor. And I'm like, what do you do? You burn the house to the ground. But she doesn't do that. She she decides to move the doll to her bedroom. Oh, yeah, because that <laughs> makes so it she better. Can watch it. God. Keep but your enemies close. I know, right? So only to discover that it constantly changes position all by itself. She'll no. put it in a chair. It won't be in the chair. So eventually she calls paranormal investigators. They do EVP. On EVP, it tells they tell it it tells the people that its name is Elena and it wants to play. And I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> That's just like Chucky. No, we don't do these things. But so finally the woman sends the doll away to Kevin. <laughs> Wow. He, he wants to play with it. Well, and now we know where to willing. send all of our dolls to, right? When they start. <gasps> we do. Claudia. Hey, going yeah. to me and Claudia are cool. No, no, we don't say things like that about Claudia. That Patrice says we're at peace with Claudia. Yeah, we don't. Nice girl. Claudia's a nice girl. Everything's she likes fine. Liquor. We're cool. <laughs> she, likes her. she just lays on her back in her liquor cabinet. I tell you, man, it's that baby you got to watch out for. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> she so likes liquor Kevin, Kevin digs this doll. He wants to let it hang out in his house. He It likes his cat and apparently bounces balls at the cat and at him during the day. And I'm like, oh, my God, this poor cat, because of the stories that he tells in this book. One night, so he tells a story about his cat. I think his name, the cat's name is Maddie, I think. And uh, this little black and white cat. And the he has a fireplace in his house, a gas log fireplace. And the cat has been trained to not go near it when it's lit or not lit, just for safety's sake. And so one night his cat is slinking toward the fireplace, like, and, you know, about to get yelled at. And Kevin, before he can even correct the cat, watches it rise off the ground as though it has been picked up by something. Oh, and my moves- God. And moved backward five feet while its head is going like, what the living fuck? Like back and forth, back and forth. Where, where is this coming from? And then it drops to the ground and takes off into the other room as you would. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this kind of stuff happens. He, uh, lots of stuff, doors opening and closing. Like I said, the faucets that turn on and off giggles, they see orbs and pictures. He's constantly smelling flowers, baby powders, Items pulled like books pulled out and left in the middle of the floor. The dolls change position. He sees visions of the little girls in his mirrors periodically. He does EVPs with all of them at one point or another. Like I said, he sings to them. He tries sing. He tries to encourage them to talk back to him. So he'll sing like the ABCs and quit and see if they'll finish the song. Well, not um, not talk back like the southern way. Not Don't talk back. Not sass. You don't sass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he's he says his evps many of them call him daddy in the evps they'll say i love you kevin it so uh, and i can't leave this part unsaid so he says a few nights after his second doll arrived in 2013 he turned off the lights in his bedroom to settle into bed and this is a direct quote from his book no sooner had my bed come to rest on the pillow than i felt a small hand a child's hand with tiny fingers start to caress my hair on the left side of my head then as if that wasn't surprising enough i felt a small form slide up next to me in the bed as if a small child had just eased under the covers and curled up next to me so number one i'm out just Number two, doll spirits that he has, almost all children, mostly girls, not going to go too far down this angle, but Mm. definitely in an inappropriate way to behave with actual children. Not Mm. sure about the ethics of ghost children, but, you know, or spirit children. He doesn't like ghost because he says ghosts is a disrespectful word to them. So Mm. one way or another, none of his items are for sale. He has adopted them because he wants to give them a happy home, especially when like all of their stories read like a cautionary tale for bad parenting. And he, he has no children. He has no children. Mm, and if, as far as I know, no part. He doesn't reference any partner. Well, um, I mean, good God. <laughs> I, 
I don't, man. I don't know where he would fit anyone else. I don't. There's 200 fucking dolls in a little house. Why am I thinking I of the story of the bride, the, 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 the stuffing, the one you told at the peerless? I, I mean, <laughs> okay. Just kind of has a, okay. It's got a vibe to it. It's got a it vibe. does have a vibe um, that we will talk about in the after show. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. I, I don't believe he generally, he doesn't do, I don't think he does tours or anything of his collection. He doesn't generally allow people in to see them. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I know he doesn't let people touch them because he said at one point his nephew touched Patty and she pinched him. Ah! Um, but there is a there's a video online of a little private tour he did, most likely with other people in his paranormal research group, I think. And you so you can and I'll I'll put a link to that. You can see the abundance of dolls in his house. There are bald ones and clown ones. He has a Robert the doll replica. Mm. There are tiny ones and life-size ones and ones dressed like Winnie the Pooh. So they're all like and they fill the space. It's so uh claustrophobic um, and scary so thinking of american horror story coven oh my god yes and because butler. the butler kept uh-huh. all the dolls in the attic oh yeah, my mm-hmm. uh, Russell, oh, wait, Russell. anyway yeah you know what I'm so, talking about. yes so anyway i guess that's that's basically it that's the largest collection of haunted dolls in alabama and i will drop links to his podcasts like i said and his website which uh, talks about his books and provides links and the video and everything like that so mm. yeah lots of creepy dolls that's yeah. my story cheers oh my to gosh. cheers i'm si- i'm looking at videos from wbrc uh, fox i Birmingham. will not be looking at video oh yeah yeah he has um, been this, he's been widely AL, yeah al.com the southern weekend Mm-hmm. Uh, broadwayworld.com oh that's interesting huh well then author and paranormal investigator kevin kane so that's it i didn't ah. know that i was so close to the the state's largest collection of haunted dolls no thank you <laughs> yes Good everybody luck. thank you for listening we appreciate y'all so much and we yes, will talk to you, you soon bye